Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rope Podcast with Box and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you are not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. Rope bondage is a risky activity, and you shouldn't attempt it without first getting proper training. Listen to episode zero if you haven't already. Fox is a rigger, and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. This episode is made possible by our patrons who support us each month. If you would like to help, head to ropepodcast.com to see many options. This year, we want to focus on bringing the Rope Podcast to a wider audience. To achieve that, we would like to ask you to follow us on Instagram and reshare this episode in your Instagram stories. We are Rope Podcast on Instagram. Another thing that helps us is if you give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. It's anonymous, so you won't have your name visible on the internet connected with a kinky podcast, don't worry. And now, going on with the show. Did you have a good Christmas, Maya? I did. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Maya, and Happy New Year to our dear listeners. Happy New Year, listeners. Happy 2024. Maya, today we are going to continue going back to our guests of the year 2023, all the nice people who came on the Rope podcast and shared their stories and experiences with us. Which is always very exciting. But before that, we are going to talk a little bit about what 2024 holds in terms of Rope for you and I. That sounds very exciting also. So would you like to start? What does 2024 hold for you in terms of Rope? The main thing, I suppose, Maya, is I am going to try to continue doing rope full-time in 2024 so that's a change i made early last year and i'm committing to Mm. continuing uh, that for another year and what does that look like what does that look like it looks like setting aside a lot of time every week to offer sessions for people who want to be tied by me and i offer three types of sessions either play sessions that can contain sexual play elements or not, depending on the person and how we feel about each other and so on. I offer photo shoots for making nice pictures for people, and I offer labbing sessions, practice sessions. And so I have a website, which is the website for our rope house. Yeah, which I love. This podcast is also hosted. And people can come to the website and they can book a slot that is convenient for them, and then we have a conversation, a negotiation, and then we do a rope session together, usually for around two hours each session. I particularly like the rope bottoming labbing because I think that's an opportunity not enough rope bottoms get, and so the fact that you offer that I think is really powerful to help rope bottoms develop. Uh, Yeah, that's a form of service I really wanted to offer. Uh, I want to promote the spread of rope bondage and, if possible, an improvement in safety around rope bondage. And I think helping bottoms practice and try things and discuss things in a safer environment is really beneficial to that. And there's a lot of rigor education, and that's great, but I think it's also important to have rope bottom education, and maybe you're going to talk about that a bit more in a second, and also to give bottoms, labbing spaces, and practice spaces. So what else does your 2024 hold? I am not getting any younger, Maya. 
and uh, I'm struggling a bit at the moment with arthrosis in my hands. So tell the listeners what that means. Uh, that means my fingers hurt and that sucks. And some days it makes it difficult to tie. Mm. And so I really want both to research how to uh, mitigate that better and also to adapt my tying style in order to hurt my hands less. I'm also continuing my strength training program in order to protect my back and be able to lift my partners in safer ways. And by that, I mean safer for me in this case, mm. uh, mainly. And so I'm working a lot on strengthening yeah, my whole back, my core muscles in order um, to protect myself because I want to try to continue doing group for a long time. And I can see that I inhabit an aging body that's complaining more and more. So I have to find uh, ways around that. Yeah, and I think some of our interviewees this year will focus on topics of longevity and aging as part of our questions because we're both very interested. Oh, in we are definitely subject. very interested in that theme at the moment. Mm. We're not ready to give up rope yet. And so we have to make whatever arrangements are necessary so we can continue it sustainably. Yeah, not for a long time. We're both in our 40s, which doesn't feel very old in this um, day oh, and I age. I feel so old, my, uh, my dear. <laughs> doesn't feel very old, but equally... Our bodies don't work the same as they did when we were in our 20s. Hmm. So we were discussing uh, rope bottom education earlier. How do you feel about that topic at the moment, Maya? Well, that's something I'm interested in, as we talked about with the labbing. And I may explore some local rope bottom education sessions um, because I see a lot of new people coming into the community through different methods like pole dance studios. And I'm not sure how much exposure to the more dangerous side of BDSM mm. and rope bondage they have. And I want to offer at least some education to support that. That's one thing that's tricky about rope bondage is that the danger is not obvious. It is much more risky than it appears at first glance. And yeah, as you said, when people just go to a class at their pole dance studio or their yoga studio, they're not necessarily aware of the risks they're actually taking. If there's not that education part highlighting that for them. Yeah. So rock bottoming education is something I'm exploring gently. We'll see. Um, and obviously on the podcast, that's also part of what we do. We, we try and look at things from both the top and the bottom perspective. I will be supporting our rope pals. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think developing out the website a bit and what we do there. Mm -hmm. Longevity is also very important to me as a rock bottom. Um, and as we've experienced many times, often the rock bottom is used up more quickly than the rigor, which can be um, sad. Okay, you mean that physically a rigor might be able to do more scenes in a week than a rope bottom can physically recover from, right? I think so. So uh, the day before yesterday, we did two rope scenes, two quite difficult suspensions. And mm -hmm. I really felt it the next day we had to, or we chose to do floor rope the day after that to yeah. um, give me time to recover. So finding ways to take care of my body and rest and recover and still be able to do a lot of rope is really critical to me. You've also talked about doing more photo shoots. So that's interesting. Yeah, I would really like to develop that side of my practice more. And uh, we did a lot of photos together for the book that came out last year. And now I want to explore maybe shooting 
a wider variety of models and exploring what kind of pictures I can produce whilst remaining within the style that I like, but sort of finding the boundaries of that style. Would I feel comfortable working more with professional models? I don't know yet. That's something I'm going to explore during the year, I think. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really want to share our love of rope to as many listeners as possible. And for that, we need your help. Please go to Instagram and follow our account Rope Podcast, then reshare this episode in your stories. Show your love of rope and help others discover it too. I'm also keen for us to look into the development of the book. So whether mm -hmm. we can publish a version which is a different version, but a saleable version, because I think it's very beautiful. So that's another thing that I'm interested in in 2024. All right. Uh, a lot on our plates in As Rope always. for 2024. Now, going back to last year, let's look a bit at some of the really lovely guests that we have on. And they are coming back today to tell us about one of their favorite rope scenes. So we're going to start with JP the Pope. Oh, JP, my idol, my model, and the person who wrote the foreword to my book. I did one with Casey Calvert. She's a good friend of mine, and we've been working together, um, I think, almost her entire career. Um, and we actually, we have this thing where we send pictures back and forth to each other when we see, oh, I like this shape, or I like this style. So we've kind of sh always done that. And one day we were like, why don't we see if we can just do some of the craziest shit possible? And obviously within what her body was capable of but so we sat down and we're like let's just start coming up with ideas because a lot of times on my shoots i'm like okay let's think of a position and see if we can make this happen and kind of go so it's a kind of free flow when it's with the with rope with device i have to put more thought into it but so with this shoot um we had picked out shapes and some of them going back to what we discussed uh earlier was that one of them specifically was inspired by naka um and it was this, this, <clears throat> excuse me, it was this strapado that he did in his studio, but it was above the door. And these are images that I have seen years and years ago. And uh, the story I read below them was that was the way that they showed the public not to steal from their store is that they would put you in a strapado with your upper bicep hanging over the door frame and your arm through the, where the vented window would be. And they would hang that way, which is horrible. But I saw Naka do it with a gentleman and I was like, this is so impressive. So it was the arms pulled back in a strapado, but from just down to the elbow. And then there was a bend over. So he was, the, they were supported with just their upper arm. And then the other arm pulled down was tied to the feet. So it was almost in this strapado hog tie. It was unbelievable. Um, and, I saw it and was like, I, I, do you think this is one of the things we can do? And she was like, yeah, a hundred percent. And it, again, it was one of those, if we can get this much, this little bitty amount of time out of that, then let's do that. And then we can, if we have to fill in for the porn part, we'll do the rest later. So we did that. Um, we had that one, we had, um, a couple others. So the first one, like I said, was the strapado hog tie hanging from the arms, the, the upper arms that were behind the back. Um, 
and it was super, super, I looking at it, it hurt me watching it because it was so intense. And she, she, we didn't do a lot of hitting. We didn't do the, oh, here's the flogging and here's the nipple clamps. And here's, we just, let's focus on the rope and let the rope do the thing. And then she would ask me, will you fill in the blank? And that was her way of saying, I want this, but that's all I can handle. So we, I, you know, me, I'm going to accommodate. So that was one of them. Another one was her. And I think, I feel like the inspiration for this one came from an Australian and I can't, I, I feel like an asshole for not remembering their name, but we, anytime I get inspiration from someone and I try and recreate it in my style, I go back and take their image and then put the image that I created. And then I say, this was inspired by this person. I never try and take credit for something that wasn't mine. Cause that whole, like we've talked, I don't, I just, the, I'd, I'd much rather say, this is where I saw this and I thought it was awesome. And I, this is my version of it. Um, and that one was, she was laying and I don't know the technical name, but when the arms are tied, I call it chicken wing. I know there's a cooler name than that. Okay. So they're tied like this and then pulled back. So there's a full harness that goes around the body also. So it's a full upper body chest harness with the arms pulled and that thing. And she's laying on her back and the up rope, excuse me, the up line goes from the center of her back up through her legs and then up to a point. I have her feet tied to 12 pound bowling balls, one on each foot. And I play with her a little bit because on the ground. And then when I pull her, it pulls into a crotch rope that's horribly uncomfortable looking. I don't have a vagina, so I don't know, but it doesn't look like it was nice. And then we eventually pull that into a full suspension. So it takes her from laying on her back with her legs spread to an inverted suspension that's almost a U shape. So the head's down, the chest is down or facing more forward. And then it kind of arches up into a heavy back bend. And then the, the bowling balls are weighting her legs down, which was gnarly. But she did it. She's like, she was a beast. Um, <clears throat> and then the third scene for that one, I think that was, the, I think it's the same one. At least in my fantasies, this is the same. I'm 99% sure it's the same one. We did a, a column tie, not column, but actual a wooden column. And it was an inverted suspension. So I tied her. So it was almost the same strapato style with hands. The arms are up against the column. And then it leads down to her head. So she's upside down again. And then her body, I'm sorry, I'm not doing a better description for people that are just listening. But then her body kind of arches out because her hands are up. Her head is down. Her body kind of arches out. And one leg is tied to the post at about mid-shin right above the right around like mid calf mid shin muscle um and then the other leg was i think it was pulled deeper uh behind her so going behind the column which also forced her hips to kind of spread out more um and she was being most of the majority of her weight was hanging from a chest harness that was tied in with her strapato so it was going up the the column itself this one's hard because it's very asymmetrical and it wasn't as it was very fluid. It wasn't a very traditional tie, uh, but I actually took a Polaroid of it, which does you absolutely no good because everyone's listening. But and it hangs in my studio, which also does you no good. But so doing this, the intent was to put her in the most severe bondage to challenge her body and her mind but also the same thing for me. So it wasn't a walk in the park where I'm like, oh, we're going to do a spread eagle or we're going to do a hog tie. Like it was, 
let's really look at these images and reverse engineer them and figure out how they did it, but then not copy rope for rope and, you know, wrap for wrap, do it in a way that gives me the same shape on the body, but doing it in not necessarily a cleaner way, but my way, a different way. And then we ended up naming it Sadistic Rope, which I thought was my own little haha funny because that was a site that I launched at kink.com was Sadistic Rope. And that's the only, as far as I know right now, that's the only site on kink.com that is purely just JP. We, it only ran for, I think, a couple of years. So that was kind of my way of paying homage back to that site that I ran. So we took a hogtie shoot and called it Sadistic Rope because the whole point of it was just to just have this super intricate, heavy-duty rope bondage that was doing all of the work versus you know, tying them in a semi-comfortable, sustainable position and slapping them and nipple clamping and vibrating. She still got the vibrator. Of course, because I, I have found that if you put a human, specifically a human with a vagina, in a very compromising position and it's very difficult for them, that you can you can get them through it a little better with the, the, the gentle touch of a vagina and the vibe touch. So, And there are times, even on Hogtide, that I'll put them up and I go over and I do that. Maybe there's fingering, maybe there's toys. And suddenly what should have been a two-minute scene in their head turns into a six- or seven-minute scene but then as soon as I walk away, they're like, get me the fuck down, and they're freaking out about it. Then they realize, wait a minute, the serotonin and all the good brain juices are gone. Get me the hell out of this thing. Um, so that one is probably one of the, my proudest ones. Her and I have done that a couple of times, um, and I might be mixing up two different shoots that her and I, because we've done a couple that are just heavy rope. We're not worried about the, the torture part as much because the rope was actually doing it ourselves. So that's the one that like I definitely... Her and I, like I said, we're good friends, and we've done some great. I've done a lot of great stuff with a lot of models, but that was the one that kind of popped out when you when I first saw the question. I was like, "This is the one I think I'm going to go with." Fox, what are your thoughts on that? I have a lot of thoughts, actually, Maya. Tell me. I feel I can relate to JP's feelings here, uh, because JP is someone who ties a lot of people and has been tying a lot of people for many, many years, a much greater number of people for much longer than I have. Indeed. But I've also tied a few people for a few years, if you know what I mean. And when you meet a person with whom you have such a complicity and you've built up the trust for a while, I can see how that sets it apart from your day-to-day -day interactions when you're maybe tying a new person or someone you tie here and there and you're going to be more conservative. But here JP feels that with Casey Calvert, they know each other so well. And you can really see that, for instance, when she comes on his podcast, which can we, we can link to in the show notes. When you have someone where you have that level of trust and complicity, you can really go for it. And you might allow yourself a higher risk profile that you have but what you have in your day-to-day -day work. And I think the scenes that JP is describing here are very high risk, and they both know that. And they decide to go into it as two experienced professionals. They understand what they're doing. This is a don't-try-this-at-home kids kind really? of situation. Yeah. And because they're so good, and because they work together so well, they can get through those extreme situations successfully. And I can see why that leaves a lasting impression on them. Absolutely. And I think the comment on the vibrator is very pertinent. It is 
accurate from my experience, but also it is a double-edged sword because we know that when we get sexually aroused, our sense of self-preservation can sort of drop off the surface of the planet. We take more risks. And we're like, I might die from this, but I might also have an orgasm. And so my brain is picking the orgasm over uh, the survival, which doesn't say nice things about what we are as human beings. We're basically a DNA replication machine <laughs> and our body would rather die and reproduce than uh, save itself in a lot of situations. Let's hear from our next guest, who's Mel the Accidental Rigger. I've had a lot of wonderful rope scenes over the years, but there's one in particular that really, really stands out for me and I hold very near and dear to my heart, which was last year, actually in October, my partner, just another rigger, and I went to Tangled Rope Festival which is a new rope festival that's happening here in the UK. And so we went to that. It was our first rope festival that we got to go to and our first one that we went to together for a weekend away with a group of friends. And we took a, a workshop there with Doc Val. Doc Vale. Apologies for mispronouncing your name. If you do ever listen to this, we love you. So, so sorry for that. But Doc Val and his partner, Banana, did a minimalism and suspension workshop, which we took. And on the technical side of things, it was, it was really wonderful to kind of strip back all this rope that you kind of add to the body and you get carried away with and you, you start putting everywhere and to be given a sequence that was simple and easy, sort of simple and easy to remember to a certain extent. We both have ADHD as well, so that uh, was really, really useful for us and, and was definitely out of our comfort zone a little bit. We, we love adding lots of little accoutrements of rope to, to our scenes and things. So the suspension itself was a was a TK that we you lift uh, lift up to a standing position. You add a very minimal and simple mermaid tie to the legs, and then you bring the legs up into a into a kind of cocoon shape nice. before you drop the drop the TK into a torsion, and you keep some weight on there drop into a torsion before then bringing the legs back down to almost this seated position with the toes on the on the floor and then bringing everything bringing everything down so the the suspension itself and the sequence itself is nothing i think we haven't seen before in rope or nothing revolutionary but it's hands down one of my favorite rope scenes for the emotional aspect that came from that. It was by far the most in tune, connected and like deeply profound experiences my partner and I had ever had in rope. He was tying me and there's a few reasons why. My TKs are something that are not very accessible for me. Being an ex-circus performer, we get riddled with <laughs> injuries over the years and uh, I also have hypermobility, which can play a strong part in some of the inaccessibility for TKs. But we spent a really like good amount of time building on this TK and making sure that it was fitting me properly and felt that this was something that we were going to be able to do. And it was the first time that I had done a full sequence 
in a TK. So that in and of itself was huge for me and very emotional. It built a lot of, it, it brought down a lot of walls and barriers I had about like what my body was capable of and what I thought I could and couldn't do and how rope is like, it's for everybody. Like it's for the body and it's meant to be tied for a body and it's not about the body fitting into this rope. And it was the most telling experience of that really being a thing. Plus just being able to experience that with somebody that I love very deeply and them being able to see and experience me like achieving that and then being the person that was able to like give that experience to me combined with, as I mentioned before, like, we both have ADHD. Hmm. We're both very chatty people. We're really, really chatty. We love to talk and we can't help ourselves. And even in rope, sometimes like we get a little bit chatty and we get carried away. And it was also the first time that we did a scene where it was just completely silent. We didn't speak. There wasn't really music playing for the workshop either. The room was silent. It was just rope. And there wasn't a word that needed to be said. We didn't need to say a single word to one another. He read my body language to perfection and I felt in complete trust and I was completely able to let go because I just felt like he would know if something was happening and if something was going on. And the whole thing was just, I mean, I've said the word perfection however many times but it really was just perfect it was exactly what i thought rope was going to be to me and it took years before there was such a i mean if you can if you're religious and you can compare it to like a religious experience it felt like a very like religious and spiritual experience that we got to share with one another and the amount of love and connection and enduring through suffering and succeeding through that but both of us succeeding together mm -hmm. i know for him it was a nerve-wracking thing because i struggle with the with the tks and things like that and it was new where everything is so minimal you can't really hide any errors or any mistakes so that's nerve-wracking for him and it's nerve-wracking for me because again you can't hide any errors or mistakes i can't like make any allowances or push through something for the sake of it and by the time we both came down, we came down from it, we were both completely in tears. <laughs> he was crying. I was crying. I was crying by the moment the TK went on and I just didn't stop the entire time through all the suffering. And it was just the most cathartic and out of body, immense connective experience through suffering and endurance like I've ever had. <laughs> and it completely changed the way that we do rope with one another and the way that I do rope. To me, Maya, this at the core is a story about overcoming. Because Mel, like many people I know, had challenges with a particular tie, in this case with TKs, and she's sharing with us this story where she manages to at least for this one scene that felt special and magical, overcome those physical challenges. And in my experience, there's also often emotional challenges 
that go with it. If you feel you're not very good at doing a certain position or a certain pattern, you can sort of have difficult feelings within yourself about that. And so for her to be able to do this beautiful minimalist sequence based on the TK, I can really hear in her words how incredible it felt for her to achieve that despite all those obstacles. And smashing through some unhelpful beliefs that she had about herself, which actually weren't true. Hmm. I think there's also something that connects it to the last story, which is that with a trusted rope partner who you've really built a connection with over time, you can do amazing things. Hmm. That is definitely a theme we can find in many of those favorite rope scene stories our guests share with us is it's about the person more than anything else and having that perfect moment with the right person, right? Rope is really about the people doing it more than anything else. The activity is a way to connect in deep communion almost with the partner that you have. Okay, yeah, the word communion, she was even uh, comparing it to a religious or spiritual experience almost. So definitely that's an interesting uh, word to use here. And now, Maya, for our last guest story of this episode, we are going to listen to Wicked Ren. This was 2022 Folsom. It was one of my favorite scenes because it was a really intense weekend. I was tying with Kiss Me Deadly Doll, who I love, is amazing. And we had three scenes in this weekend. We tied at an event called Twisted Windows, and then we tied out on the Twisted Window stage at Folsom. And then our very last scene was at the Collective Corruption booth. And it was outside. I generally don't like tying outside because the heat, all the things just make me feel really nervous. But this booth was on the corner of an extremely busy street. There were, it was a sea of people. And I believe it was around four o'clock. So everyone was there at this time. I was physically exhausted. I was freezing cold. Kiss Me Deadly Doll and I walk up and we start tying. And the energy feels really chaotic in a good way with the crowd. It felt the energy of the crowd felt like a DIY punk show. (laughs) And it was cool. And also all my friends, my best friend was like right next to me and... There were all of our other friends are performing around and that was a really cool energy too. So we started tying and the crowd was just really into it and responding well to every little thing that was happening. Fast forward, we're tying and I am done. My gas tank is on empty. I'm just running on fumes at this point. And... (laughs) One of the most painful things I think I've ever experienced, to be honest. Kiss Me Deadly Doll pulls out a waist rope that was like glued into my body. I was in this this kataashi thing and my whole side was bent over. My leg was there Mm -hmm. and she started to just like pull it. But then she just ripped it out and I screamed at the top of my lungs and everyone responded really well to it. The crowd did. It was awesome. And I had like a mark for a month on my side from that. (laughs) It was awesome. So once that happened, like I said, I was on zero. I shut down. I was just done. 
And I could feel that we were getting to the end of the sequence and I was so fucking happy about it. And she's taking me down and I can tell that I'm about to be taken down into a Fudo. And I can't wait to get in this fucking Fudo. It's all I want. But then a weird thing happened was as my TK line was coming down and I was thinking to myself, oh, I should be feeling some weight in the Fudo. I remembered that she tied a single column in under my knee. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And I'm hanging in this Fudo and it, there's searing pain in the Fudo. And I'm just ready to start coming down on the ground. Her hands go up to the top and she's fucking around with the upline. And I cannot wait to be on the ground. And as she's lowering me, I realize that I'm not going anywhere. She's untying things. I can see her little hands doing stuff, but my body Mm -hmm. is physically not moving towards the ground. And I'm thinking to myself, gravity's not working. And I'm getting real upset at this point. And then I am reminded of my friend, the knee, underneath single column situation that's happening. So... She takes off the Fudo and I don't go anywhere and I'm just being held by a single column. Ouch. And then uh, no one in the crowd's really saying anything. And then Cam screams like, that shit hurts. <laughs> and then everyone responded then. But then I came to the ground and it was the hardest rope scene I've ever been in in my entire life. But it was wow. so fucking fun and rewarding. I felt like... At that moment, I felt like I couldn't give any more to her. There's also a point where I screamed out her name, like not kiss me deadly doll. I like screamed her name because I was in so much pain. Because I was like, give me the fuck out of this. And then obviously, you know, I was fine. Like I'm always, you know, I'm always fine. It was a Fudo, but it was just the way I reacted at that point. Whenever I get pushed to being in a lot of pain, I react not with anger, but with I kind of scream where I'm like, uh-huh. like I'm I'm like legitimately upset in a good way. And it's cathartic, right? Yeah, because I'm in a lot of pain. And then she's like, yeah. but obviously if I need to get out because I'm unsafe, I will communicate that. Mm-hmm. But I know that I'm okay. And she's like, you're fine. And then it's great. <laughs> The day gravity stopped working. I love it. I love it. Legitimately upset is also something I really resonate with. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you find yourself hanging by just a single column under your knee when you don't expect it. I I would say that's legitimate. The pain. It's really interesting, the social intensity of that situation as well, with the whole crowd watching and cheering and... I wonder what that does to the psychology of someone who's in rope in that moment. And maybe it encourages, maybe it pushes you to do more. But there is also a moment where the crowd don't understand because they're maybe naive to rope how painful it is. And so uh, Cam Damage uh, shouts out that's painful and then they understand how to react. That's kind of brilliant. It's amazing. And also, here's another story, by chance, about two people who built up a long, trusted tying relationship who push each other really hard. Yeah, that's true. And it's an important part of Ren's rope dynamic to challenge herself and always try to go further and to get that satisfaction of having managed at the end. That's what she calls the beer after the hike. Yeah, she loves that feeling of climbed a mountain. Yeah, excellent. 
What about you, Maya? Is there one of our scenes this past year in 2023 that stuck with you more than the others? There's a super fun scene that we did at our local Ropey Peeps jam, mm -hmm. uh, which happens every two weeks, where it involved an octopus. It did involve a live octopus. Not a live octopus. That would be weird and gross. <laughs> I mean, in Japanese movies, you see that sometimes. That's a topic for Moving another podcast. On, yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us about the octopus, Maya. So we were doing a scene at the Rope Jam and we were tying on the big frame, which we love. And we were looking at what we had around us and we were messing about. And we were in a very playful mood, I Indeed. would say. And so you brought over this uh, house octopus. <laughs> yes, yes, that's our local dungeons octopus. Yeah. I don't know if she has a name. No, I don't know either. Um, an octopus stuffy. And you decided that we would do a bit of a musical type scene. Yeah, first of all, the organizer of our rope jam made the fatal mistake of letting me have the connection to the Bluetooth speaker that night. And what did you put on? I put on the Little Mermaid. <laughs> And I'm sure he was absolutely thrilled. Yes. And then we proceeded to have this whole song and dance musical scene uh, while he was watching where I was yeah, dancing around you, singing, tying you, suspending you and then suspending the octopus yep. above you. And we have a very showpiece photo that he very kindly took for us where we are both singing. Yes, and you're being attacked by the octopus. I'm being attacked by the octopus, or the octopus is trying to be my friend. It's as if I'm in water, like as if I'm floating. And you have this beautiful siren hair as it happens, so that the effect really works. That I feel. works out well. You use the orange rope, mm -hmm. and the octopus happened to be orange. Which couldn't be more perfect. It looks like we really planned it, and we didn't at all. <laughs> and we had a great time. Did you Did you have a great time? I had a brilliant <laughs> time, and that is also definitely one of my uh, favorite rope scenes. All right, dear listeners, I hope that you enjoyed hearing about all those favorite rope scenes. And as it happens, you might have an opportunity to tell us one of yours, because this year, to celebrate the end of 2023 and the start of 2024, we are having a special contest for our patrons. And our contest is going to be about you describing for us one of your favorite rope scenes in the same fashion that you heard in this episode and the one directly before it. Um, because last year, Maya, we did a photo contest, right? And we realize we're a podcast, our media is an audio-only media, and so maybe photos are not the best way to express things on a podcast. But we still want to give people an opportunity to share their love for rope. And so, yeah, this year we're going with stories. And so if you are one of our patrons, please message us uh, one of your favorite rope scenes. Tell the story however you want to. And we will make a selection of our favorite ones to use in a future episode. And our top favorite one will uh, win a copy of my book, Together in the Dark. Of which there are only 20 copies. Yes, and that is definitely one of the final ones to be given out. 
If you are not yet one of our patrons, it's not too late. You can also register as a patron on patreon.com slash roguepodcast and that makes you eligible to enter the contest. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying. <laughs>